0: What's going (laughs) on? Oh, yeah, just eating a potato chip dinner here on the Independent Minded Podcast. Thank you, little boy. And, yeah, pulling a late night here at the old radio station to give you the latest episode of Independent Minded on iHeartRadio, iTunes. It's a part of the Elvis Duran Show Podcast Network, sponsored by... Uh, Yeah, we're still working on that. The radio business, we're still trying to figure out how to monetize podcasts. And everybody's got a podcast nowadays. And sponsors or not, I love doing this podcast. That's why I'm here at 9 o'clock at night. That plus the whole no life thing. I'm an indie musician. I've been doing this podcast for over five years now. And it's rewarding enough to have these conversations with these very cool artists. And of course, to turn you, the listeners, on to some very cool music that I'm into. Because as you know, sharing is caring. And I care about you, you sexy motherfuckers. <laughs> Thanks for following the podcast on social. It's all at Bald Freak Music. Of course, you can find out more about me at BaldFreak.com. And if you're an independent artist interested in being featured on the podcast, or if your neighbor is, or your coworker is, or your father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate is, drop me a line at Ron at BaldFreak.com, and I promise I'll check out your stuff. And springtime is on the way. That means new music is coming out fast and furious. I have a bunch of interviews scheduled over the next couple of months. A couple I'm very excited about. I don't want to ruin the surprise. It's a surprise to me that these guys even want to talk to me. But the new release from my guest this time around is a bit of a surprise. He's Jason Bartell, formerly the guitarist and vocalist in influential indie rock band Fang Island, now defunct. He's got a new project out. It's called Mythless. It's a four-song EP. It's called Patience Hell. I love that title, and aptly described in the bio as music that swings like a pendulum between guttural and gorgeous. The music's high energy, there's harpsichord, there's synths. Yes, I said harpsichord. Don't be afraid. And after getting the press release and new music from this EP, I was pretty excited to talk to Jason. He's a visual artist, multifaceted, multi-talented. He has an impressive beard, super humble, and he actually listened to the podcast before coming up here, so I got a spin out of the whole deal. One spin, and the fine folks at the PR company who handle Mythless asked me to world premiere track three from the new EP. It's called Thread Tugging. We're going to do that. I didn't come up with any uh, fancy imaging for this. Uh, let me see if I can come up with something in a pinch. Hold on.
1: Independent-minded podcast world premiere. Ta-da!
0: That'll do. Jason and I cover all the bases. We talk about living. We talk about dying. We talk about the end of the Fang Island Project and the start of the Mythless Project. We learn a lot about each other. He finds out that Sky Dome in Toronto is no longer a stadium. <laughs> and for that reason alone, it was worth having the conversation. So let's do it. Let's kick it off with the world premiere of Thread Tugging from Mythless. Then my conversation with Jason Bartell right here on Independent Minded. Let's get mythical. Ronnie
1: Dalso's amazing podcast.
0: Those amazing podcasts. He's talking to people who make art music, he's plugging their projects, he's making them famous, he's helping them out just by making them talk about all the bullshit that they do. Town of Brooklyn, New York, although I don't believe it's his hometown. Uh, he's in a couple projects. Well, the project we're here to talk about is Mythless. It's Jason Bartell. How are you doing, my man? Good. How are you doing? Very good. I, I said a couple projects. It was a faux yeah. pas. Uh, <laughs> you are in the band Fang Island, the critically acclaimed uh, high energy indie rock band from Brooklyn for a while. We want to talk about that as well. Sure, sure. But you have a new EP out with this project that's called Mythless. It's called Patience Hell. And we just heard, uh, I believe, a world premiere. From it is this. This might be my first world premiere on the Independent Minded podcast. Is that right? So, oh, that's such uh, you an honor. my cherry. Congratulations. Oh, How does that make you feel? It feels funny <laughs> when <laughs> you phrase it that <laughs> way. All right. Well, I maybe if I phrase would, it that though. way. I, I, all right. I ruined the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Mythless. It's a four-song EP. Mm-hmm. Patience. Hell. Uh, I'm a nerd for song lyrics and song titles and oh, album cool. titles. Doing the research, there are themes that I see here about uh, you refer to death in the bio here kind of to describe how the music sounds and it's kind of unique sounding EP, but what is Patience Hell refer to? It's
2: funny. It's, I mean, actually it's been around in my little note of band names and, and title names for so long that I kind of forget. It actually was a, originally was a alternate, was a early title for mythless, but I decided, so that was like a working title for the project. So that could have
0: been the name of the the project. For a a while when I was, when
2: I was titling songs and things like that, I was calling, I was under that name and I, decided that and i discarded it as a band name but wanted to kind of where it's like a weird homage to the past or the process i'd yeah. say that's mostly the meaning of it that's um, what i was yeah
0: i mean i of course i have no basis for thinking this but i know you were in a band that did very well and, and you were in that band for a decade right and then there was a, a bit of a lapse so yeah so there's a two bit two of years, a right? bit of
2: a crossfade for with myth listen so was that, that the patient's hell stuff. was that <laughs> there is i mean <laughs> i think of it, it's a that's possible i i like to you know you say you're like a uh a lyrics and title nerd i feel like the op- i feel the opposite of that and i like to like find the meaning sort of after the fact yeah so that's a that's a certainly a good theory and i like that theory and that makes sense to me
0: when i interview people on this podcast uh, a lot of well not a lot but a couple of artists when i say oh is this song about blank mm. they're like i don't want to like, talk about what uh-huh. this song is about because i guess they want to leave it up to the the ears and the eyes of the viewer and the that makes sense listener. yeah it's not so much that
2: I'm like precious about it or that I like want to preserve the possibility for interpretation. I just think that stuff sort of happens naturally, and I feel like I like finding out what I meant the whole time. Yeah, think, well, sometimes I mean? in
0: my own music, I find out that yeah. it's prophetic in the sense that I'll write a lyric or yeah. I'll write a title and then something will happen that I did not intend sure. for it to be. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wow, that really like makes sense in a different sure. way. Now, and, right? you
2: know, like like stuff takes so long you know, these songs have been around and lyrics and titles have been around for years at this point for some of this stuff. So it's like, oh, I guess I, I guess I was thinking about that at that time, you know, sort of like forget about it for a while and come
0: back to it. How do you uh, log that stuff? Do you have you like an artistic notebooks or um, uh, are, you, are you in your phone guy? I'm a phone guy. I've tried to be, I've been, I've been
2: sort of developing some processes. Like I was saying, I have a, I have like a band name or a title name list. Like anytime something kind of strikes me, I'll jot it down and it's absurdly laughably long. Like it's, a, it's for titles, it can just be a one word thing. And it, I just trained myself to just like anything that I'm, sort of sticks in my brain, I'll throw it in there. And it's like, if I were to scroll, it would take like a full minute of fast scrolling to go. I'm just like, yeah, I mean, the phone is a great, Tool for that. I do the same with like voice memos and I was gonna gonna bring that up. Yeah,
0: Yeah. it's kind of sterilized the process to me. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, it's more than anything else, it's a convenience thing. It's like the thing where
2: something is so convenient that it becomes like meaningless. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: There's something romantic, obviously, about writing with a pen or a pencil or a marker in a notebook. And all my heroes, you go back to. Like the Beastie Boys or Nirvana and stuff like that, and mm. you would on the back of the records you would even see like oh, I, photographs the of yeah. the actual like, love notes that, stuff, that they yeah. took. So uh I don't think anybody's going to take a picture of my phone. Like yeah, wonder what that. I wonder, right that, <laughs> I wonder where, where that he wrote will go. "Cold Hands" <laughs> on this iPhone Seven. Here's a screen grab of all <laughs> the voice memos. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So. Let's uh, go back in time here. I do this with, with pretty much everybody. I like to find out how like it all started. You were instance, in a band called yeah. Fang Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're the guitar player and the vocalist mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. band, and there are some similar sounds... Right uh, to what happens in Fang Island and what happens mm-hmm. in Mythless, so that band was doing pretty well from what I could tell, according to the interwebs. The interwebs. Uh, so why why did it end? What happened?
2: Fang Island was always like a group of friends, and we started at college, and it was like playing in the bedrooms and playing concerts for our friends, and we were it's like it was like by friends for friends kind of thing, and we kind of I mean there's a lot of luck involved with with how we sort of picked up and the chord that we struck with uh, people if we did and all that momentum, and you know, like, we always approached it as a group, it was a group friend-based band, and when things, you know, as you sort of grow, you you can sort of grow in different directions, you don't like fire, your friends or like, fine, it's like, well, we're going to find another insert instrumentalist, you know, it's like, it doesn't, we never worked that way, so when people sort of started, interest sort of wane or go in other directions then it just was it's sort of like naturally came to us you know so if you're not slowing. all plugged in you're going to just yeah. unplug in general yeah it's kind of no point in trying to keep something going if it's not if they're like there's no, like, heartbeat to it, you know? Sure. And it's a group mentality, and so it's always—I it, think that was that was sort of part of it,
0: how it slowed down. Well, I saw in the notes for Mythless that you did have support from some of your ex-Fang Island bands. Sure, yeah, and,
2: and they're all—and they've been integral in it, too, and I, that's the thing. It's like the friendship, to me, has always been more important than anything else, and, like, I, everyone—I have a good relationship with everyone still, and, like— good. And, yeah, and so I have a good musical relationship with Mark and Nick, who played on the record— I had all these solo songs that I wanted to make and it was like I wanted it to still have a certain sound. And they're just the musicians that I trust. It's an it's an interesting balance of like relationship and trust in someone and creative compatibility. You know. So it's like I I'm still musically yeah, exactly.
0: Now Fang Island comes to a halt about two, two and a half years ago. Hmm. Did you immediately think Mythless would be the primary focus. Did you see other opportunities down the road, or was this what you kind of hyper focused on?
2: It was only became a hyper focus later. It was there was a bit of a crossfade, you know. I was writing material like I was saying, crossfade earlier. Um, well, well that's a technical well, term, yeah. You're in the radio a, business, that's what that's I do a, all day. That's a little inside I crossfade baseball, all day. <laughs> it's a little inside baseball for everyone. <laughs> um, but no, I was writing songs and had ideas for this project while Fang was still operational and was like, like a, I had a, I have a whole. Trove of 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 ideas in that like that weren't quite fitting into the Fang Island gotcha. thing, so I was like, "How it was always Jay kind so of in it. the works. Yeah, you sure, Are you sure this is? <laughs> was... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I had a mistress on the side. The <laughs> <whole time. laughs> you know, I was sort of am always trying to find an output. I do solo guitar performances and basically just around New York. That is a totally different project, like you said. I have a visual art process and practice. All of them are kind of just like it's like having pots on the fire, like not like and then sort of things come in and out of focus, like kind of naturally. Yeah. When Fang sort of slowed down and Mythless had songs that I wanted to sort of finalize and put out, it seemed sort of natural and obvious to follow that as a path.
0: I admire that sort of juggling. From my perspective, it's always been very difficult and I feel like detrimental even though I'm doing well so to speak right. to have the radio job and then sure. to have the band and then of course I ran a record label for 10 years and the music suffered in my opinion you mm. know I was I was prolific but mm. I wasn't dedicating the time and energy to the craft that would allow me to really I think spread my wings the way I wanted That's to That's interesting. Yeah, I think it can
2: be both and I think it's about that seems like that makes sense to me that that would be the case too and I'm I'm I suppose like it is a matter of like focus and time as a resource that to 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 devote to a specific pot. You know, you have too many pots. It just sort of none of them materialize, right. but all of them to me, it sort of relates to what it seems like having like a gig economy or like being a freelancer where you're like, it's sort of a given that you're going to have lots of jobs. Right. And I sort of think of that like, in the same way that like my dad worked at the same job for 35 years and then retired and it was like it doesn't seem like it's as possible lately i feel like the same thing for music like you know guns and roses selling two hundred fifty thousand records it was like considered a disappointment and that, <laughs> and that was like clearly their full-time job they weren't like doing things on the side but yeah. i've my entire experience with the music industry has been that i have to to have other things going on, we always had jobs when we were in Fang Island. Every member, and like it was never, it never rose to that. And I'm comfortable with that. I don't want more than that because I don't think it's possible right now. You sure. know Like for me, but you're pulling it off. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm able. I'm feel very lucky to have the resource of like support and the label and things like and friends right. who are down to play and to be able to record in a studio and all the things that I'm like very thankful for it doesn't like equate to it being like a living and I'm, I'm very comfortable with that I enjoy having lots of things going on at the same
0: time so are you saying that you're better than me is that mm, yeah I <laughs> think
2: that's a good summary I'm also totally rambling and probably not making no sense.
0: I, I, it makes sense to me I just from my own perspective like I said I I don't have any basis of comparison in my own life because you either go down one road or the other and I've never I don't want to say brave I mean I've never been in a position where I felt like I should give this part of my life or my career up because my music career never really you know there were opportunities right. to tour right. and stuff like that but that kind of fell through it had nothing to do with me saying right well i'm gonna to have to quit my job or leave my job for two months or whatever right i'll never know for sure but i always feel that way i always feel like i guess they say from uh desperation mm. sometimes things no, materialize yeah. that and makes i've never sense been desperate too. in that regard right, right.
2: You know? no that, that resonates with me too I and mean, i think that it's a, it it might be it's present in some way in all I mean, everyone's kind of process I'm sure
0: yeah I've been playing it safe Jason It's, it's, it's <laughs>
2: safe is great <laughs> yeah I mean I feel, it puts I've always, on the
0: table and I live in a nice apartment and yeah. i have, I'm wearing these fancy you have very sneakers. nice clothes uh, <laughs> You're wearing a gold tuxedo I noticed. this is a strange <laughs> Don't, sh- this is an audio well, again inside baseball dude. <laughs> You mentioned you have the support of a label. You're on a mm-hmm. label called Joyful Noise, mm-hmm. and uh, Lou Barlow, Sebadoh, Dale Crover, Deerhoof, uh, uh, Richard Edwards, who's an artist I really admire, is on that label. How do you link up with Joyful Noise? How do you guys get together to um, put this EP
2: out? Well, Joyful Noise has this really cool. Uh, I think what I really admire about them is they have a very like cool approach to vinyl, and they are they're always doing these like unique vinyl packages. They had this one thing that they still do. That's like a, it was like a calendar flexi disc which is like you ever see those that are like like, like clear one one song kind yeah. of records they did this cool thing and they just sort of reach out to bands that they like that aren't even necessarily on the label and be like can you give us like a, a piece of audio that is unique it can be anything it can be a demo it can be like whatever you want but it has to be unique and it has to never go on digital and then they press that unique thing to this flexi disc and have one come out once a month. And it would be a subscription for their label. So they they do these cool like conceptual label packages or or record packages. And so they just reached out to us because they were fans and we thought it was a cool idea. So we did a song for that a couple of years ago. Yeah. They get bands who aren't on their labels and they sort of reach out. Like it's sort of a, it it like broadens the scope of it and includes people that they wouldn't normally have on there. And we liked the idea. So I was sort of in touch with them from that as a couple of years ago. And they've done cool things since then. And they're they're growing in a really cool, natural way. And I like liked all their releases and I really like their approach to vinyl and packaging and like putting an emphasis on the art.
0: Now you're in this project, you're not, it's not a band dynamic anymore. Hmm. You have this freedom now. You have an omnipotence over the project as opposed to the band dynamic, which I assume was a little bit different. It was, yeah. And now you're starting over. You're an established band versus like this new project that really nobody knows. Your social networking, all that stuff is yep. kind of ground zero. Yeah, yeah. Is there a specific strategy that you're trying to employ or the label is trying to employ or your PR company is trying to employ that will turn on Fang Island fans to mythless?
2: I don't really think of things in that in those terms so I, and I I hope that the label and the PR people are <laughs> I think that that's well, probably that's more their that's do, right? more sure. their arena I really put a heavy emphasis on on live on how things sound live so that's kind of my focus right now I feel like that's my work you know I want I think being li- good live is pretty much if not more important than the songwriting or the records like kind of the most important thing it's very it's very very central to me why yeah why um I just think it speaks to, I don't know, i know—I—I'm always like, it, it, I don't know, it's a good, I mean, it's a simple question, but I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling a little bit of it. <laughs> it seems so obvious to me, but also the why is a good question. I think like, well, at the very least, it's extremely different. I've never been super precious about like a recorded song sounding the same way live, for example. I think it's just like a different thing and in, in that way needs to be meaningful presentation or like a vehicle for a song that you wrote like it has to kind of be its own thing I've always kind of felt that way and there's an there's an energy the energy quality and the spatial quality that come along with it are totally unique and I think that that's like I take that seriously and I'm interested in making that as as perfect as possible and perfect in my mind in, in air quotes, but like, I think <laughs> you didn't put I, the air
0: quotes up. Though, I you know? didn't.
2: I know. Oh, there you go. Sold me <laughs> out completely. I said air quotes to make people think I did it. Um, I've always written like energetic music and sure. I think like that energy needs to be there live. Like it's important to the music to be there and, um, be impactful. And, volume is super important to me. And I think those are just things that you can only get from a live experience. So I think that, yeah, I'm, 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 that's where I'm putting my focus right now.
0: The biggest quote here on the bio, I'll, I'll read it. There's no ceiling for how many harmonies I want to hear. Mm. And I'm fascinated by the very concept of layering. It's often about taking a single, simple melody or note and making it as complex as possible. Right. I've always been affected by an overwhelming snowball of sound. <laughs> you could say that's what this is. And I would agree with that. It's densely layered. Um, you know, There's synths going on. There's a harpsichord going on. There's frenetic rhythm patterns on a lot of the songs that was kind of a thought when I heard it is like is this guy going to be up there with a laptop doesn't sound like his style probably how are you going to recreate that dense frenetic sound on a stage well yeah that's
2: a good that's a great question and that's something I'm working on now and I and I again in the way that I'm not married to it sounding the same I think there's like live components that are that fit into that theory that aren't exactly the same as recorded. So like with layering with recording, it's a very like, it's literally laying tracks on top of tracks. Sure. So there's a ceiling within that too, although technically not in the digital age, yeah, you can do it infinitely. Day, but I think like for <laughs> what the human ear can like pick apart can, or what, it, beyond handle, being, yeah, yeah. Or like whatever, <laughs> like beyond it being meaningful anymore. But I think the live version of that, it's like taking that concept into a live forum, like an overly rational approach would be like, okay, well, so there's, there's, eight guitar parts on this song so I have to like find seven other guitar players like (laughs) I'm not gonna do that so it has to cost you yeah exactly (laughs) but like a way to to get at that same core concept to me anyway live is to like play it faster play it like to like lean into the like frenetic energy of it in a live way like it'd be one guitar and have the same a similar feeling as the track but like heightened in a way that's specific to playing live like faster louder things like that so there's that's the the like Venn diagram of live and recorded music. It's kinda in the center. It's like I'm actually still figuring it out to be honest.
0: Like, wow, Venn diagram. This is like a science project. Totally all science,
2: of a like picking it apart. I got my test <laughs> tubes here. I hope you don't mind, i brought my test tubes.
0: Well there, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I got my Bunsen burner over here. We'll mm-hmm. put them together, see what happens. Mm-hmm. I went to see uh Destroyer at Brooklyn mm-hmm. Steel mm-hmm. and I listened to the most recent album and you know, it was interesting to me but it didn't blow me away. Right. And then we went to go see the band. And he didn't have, like, a lead guitarist. He had a, a saxophone player mm-hmm. who busted a flute out at some point. Sure. <laughs> he had a trumpet player. And they were almost like the lead instruments during the live set. And mm-hmm. they played off his spoken word sort of vocal style. It totally blew me Gives away compared another. to the recording. So there you go. it made me appreciate the, the recordings first. So I guess I understand. And
2: I think, too, like not, and I, like I said, like I want to do that eight guitar show. Like, <laughs> yeah, I want right. to do that. And I would love to figure out a way to have a two piece that's just like me and, me and Mark will the drummer stab like, you in the neck yeah exactly but have some, <laughs> but I have some like, for, like I think there's no wrong way to do it, it just, and there's good versions of each of those and everything in between so sure I'm kind of like open to figuring that out case by case
0: this maximalist sound style mm. that you have in the Mythless Project how does the recording process start for you does it start with the beats does it start with a melody or particular instrument how does that work
2: it's pretty song by song some will start with a beat I actually really I feel like I should have I think of things in terms of drums often I kind of always have I wanted to have drums get have drums when I was growing up I never played but I would sit so I, I wanted drums and and uh, my older brother played music with his friend who was a drummer at the time so my mom was like why don't you get a bass and then you can kind of play with them and I was like oh, okay and then that was a great call and also I got to like play around on those drums when they were around I found that I really think of songs in terms of drums. Yeah, I really like mine, like drummer. Right? Like a, I, my my favorite bands have like, are because they have good drummers. Like I just like really loved when I was in college and I had more of a, like I was in a metal phase. It was just all about drummers, you know, yes. things like that. That's to say like, sometimes it'll start. Sometimes I'll have a beat. I can write beats in my head, sort of. Writing them out in MIDI is really fun. Sometimes that'll start there, but sometimes it'll start with a melody and I'll sort of like figure out the tone after that. Uh, usually, usually a guitar part, Horror Melody is kind of where I start and everything kind of falls in after that.
0: Uh, it looks like you, you're you a, a Providence, Rhode Island mm-hmm. based. Is that mm-hmm. where you grew up? I went to college
2: there and I grew up in New Hampshire.
0: When did you come to Brooklyn?
2: Around 2007,
0: I had a job,
2: uh, which I still have working for an artist in in Chinatown, and I was sort of commuting from Providence. I got the job when I was still in school, so I'd commute from Providence to and, to keep this job. Wow! And Fang Island was still based in Providence at the time, so I, I wanted to keep that going. So I was sort of in both
0: cities for a couple of years. Do you love it? Are you a New Yorker at this point? Or? Yeah, I
2: think I am. I think uh, as like begrudgingly as that. It, I mean, you grew up here, legit. Oh, yeah. So like you yeah. you know you are. I think like I'm still you trying sort to of escape. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wonder what that's. like. I mean, that's gotta be a funny feeling where you born here and want to leave here and i think everyone kind of I, I feel that way too like there's some fantasies about about leaving or about going upstate or whatever and then whenever i leave i'm just like i can't wait to get back to new york And whenever i come and like take that sh- cab ride from jfk i'm like thank god i'm back here <laughs> so that's it's gotta mean something cab
0: ride it's gotta mean had. something
2: i feel like i'm not i i, I feel like i've r- finally resigned to being like i'm just gonna live here forever there's no <laughs> like, I mean, that's fair enough I, yeah, mean, I know
0: plenty of people who didn't start here who love it you know i'm yeah. biased in the sense that of course yeah it's just too much of the same thing of you course
2: know? Yeah, yeah that makes total sense to me
0: yeah, yeah the sh- cab ride to me is still the it's just, cab ride that it, I don't want to be in. And it is
2: that to me too, Or I'm like, I hate this and there's no other way. Like I kind of yeah. have to live here. There's too many. You got like, the love hate thing going on. Yeah. I got, not I got just, the, the second half. The
0: hate, hate part. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate it. I always say if I ever leave, like the thing I'll miss the most is the food. Sure. Uh, I and mean, there are big. things about New York that, that are irreplaceable for and sure. because I grew up here and I have so many friends here and, and, and family that live nearby. Like there's no it's doubt that wherever like, I go, I'll come back and sure. I'll probably enjoy it 10 times as much. In the, those small little doses. Yeah, yeah, I mean
2: that's always been interesting. It's like whenever people leave, like you are always going to end up here some way or another. Like sure. so, that's like kind of
0: comforting. If I can make it there, <laughs> uh, so let's talk about your influences. Yeah, you didn't start as a drummer, but you're a guitar player. You're a vocalist. Yeah who, uh do, do, do you know that uh, <laughs> you're a begrudging vocalist? <laughs> yeah, I would it say so. It wasn't yeah. something that you set out to do? I'd today, say guitar,
2: guitar and vocals have, have both been like huge mountains to climb for me. Like, wow, not, okay. I, mean, I don't feel like I'm natural at either of them, especially vocals at this point.
0: All right, so how did it all come to fruition?
2: Um I've always been interested in it. I've always been interested in being in bands. So it was like really just a matter of working at it and getting practice and being interested in like the work of improving and, and like trying to, like Fang Island used to, be exclusively instrumental and we sort of started to sing more and more and that yeah. like that interested me in and like it was very creatively satisfying to try and see what i could do with that like as opposed i feel like i'm much more natural in the visual art a visual artist that's its own thing it's sort of separate it satisfies something different but it's always come pretty naturally to me and it isn't as like overwhelmingly exciting right if that makes sense so like i like the challenge of not being a natural guitar player or singer and that sort of like drives me a little bit i think i like to see what'll happen
0: so the singing wasn't your idea i would guess
2: um it was a group idea the first time we ever fang island song that we had vocals in we didn't have any microphones and so we just sort of had this cool little rhythm riff um so we were like, well, we'll have to all sing and we'll have to drop all the instruments out so that anyone could hear so us. So hear us. Yeah, right? and this was like 2005, <laughs> you know, like um, Man, it's sort always- of a novel idea. Like we were like, we don't have microphones, so let's just, and we, if we play guitar, we can't hear it. So let's just stop playing guitar. And everything would cut back to just like a really simple drum beat and we would all sing in unison. So it was like early was like that kind of stuff. Sort of happened just as like another riff kind of thing. Like gotcha. It was a guitar riff that we all sang together. And more and more like I was like I kinda like like I'm interested in melody. Like there's just a difference as an instrument, then there's different things you can do with lyrics and things like that. So it was almost singing was more of a necessity to deliver that kind of feeling
0: you said you all sang though did the other guys yeah. wind up deferring like this oh jason's got I think it. everyone
2: no definitely not. <laughs> jason did not <laughs> got it um it was always kind of a group approach with fang island which was cool i liked it, it kind of fits into how like we had three guitarists every, it was like kind of everyone sang, and that was that was yeah. the mode of that band fang island started in providence when i went to rhode island school of design which was where a lot of like influential and a lot of my influences like started. Well, I grew up in New Hampshire, which w- didn't really have a scene growing up. I just had I had a cool older brother, which I, which I was very lucky to have. Who was like, "This is what's cool. This is like right. here's a Weezer record. This is like, oh nice." And I was like, "This is great." Here, you know, how much older? Only two years, so it was great. Like, he was a senior when I was a sophomore in All high right. school, so, so it's kind of perfect.
0: Yeah, still that gap that will turn yeah, into it it stuff. Seemed
2: that- like a lot of it, it was a it's a weirdly big gap when you're and 12 because you're 10 and you're you know if you're in elementary school and your brother's in middle school and he's like discovering things that's like a huge yeah a huge boon he uh, really introduced me to a lot of things and that was cool and he graciously allowed his younger brother to play in a band with him so that was all ah. like, drive to school and listen to metallica kind of thing oh right on. and then and then after school play metallica covers and like weezer covers and we had a lot of original songs and it was a important time what does he do now He's an architect. He lives in New Hampshire. Oh, right and, on. Yeah, he's great.
0: All right, so, so he's making more money than both of us. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, <laughs> I always go and check the bio for the recommended if you likes, and here we go. Enigma. Oh, I'm curious about this. masuga
1: Oh,
2: my
0: God. And Mahavishnu Orchestra. Wow. You couldn't get uh, more dynamic as far as the three uh, artists that listed here. That's list fascinating. Mashuga, obviously. Meshuggah,
2: that's the only one who I've ever like owned records of. Yeah, and I, I actually still think that they're a really cool band i don't really listen to them yeah, as but, much anymore but i think that they're a very a very cool band in some weird way people i always liked them
0: compared my uh, project return the earth to meshuggah so uh-huh. so good on oh, you cool, for that great. one a little crossover and uh Mahavishnu orchestra is this very influential sure I, i'm aware of rock. i'm band aware from of the them. 60s yeah
2: they they always get kind of i feel like talking about great drummers billy Coben, right, right right i feel like they're one of those ones who probably unfairly gets like leveled almost as like an insult maybe like sometimes where it's like they're like the kings of like of like overdoing it kind of right as, yeah that's yeah. my that's how not I for come, everybody that's sure. for sure but i think that's cool like it's all
0: i it's hear sprinkles of radiohead st vincent like uh yeah, yeah, you yeah. know the electronic layering those frenetic sure. rhythms that that tom and johnny are yeah, yeah, yeah. are f- are fond of yeah radiohead's probably
2: one of my favorite bands of all for time sure. so. did you get are you going to the medicine square garden show oh please uh, <laughs> <Sorry>. last week
0: <laughs> last week i had another Source band spot. in here and i was on Take a ticketmaster trying to get yeah, 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 and i got tickets to the boston show but we oh, got cool. we got wiped out of the, the my friend tickets. managed to
2: get me one uh, who like i've never seen them and i've always been a huge fan so oh i've I'm seen really them a bunch ex- of times yeah so I'm ne- I'm, I'm, you have to yeah i'm excited to do it
0: those three artists are listed here, so oh, somebody cool. thinks you sound like oh, okay. those bands. It's but, the full spectrum, yeah. But was there a show? Was there an album? Yeah. Was there something? You know, growing up in in your life that made you think, man, like this is the coolest thing in the world, and I want to I want to be part of that. Yeah, that I history. mean,
2: yeah, Metallica and and Weezer were like my '90s references. Yeah. My um, but speaking of. Providence and drummers in two thousand five. Anyone who's from there or or is familiar at all would immediately think of Lightning Bolt, the band Lightning Bolt, just a drum and bass two piece. But the drummer is basically is a huge part of the band and is is still like a seeing them live. If I had to like pick a show or like a band at an era, coming from New Hampshire where I sort of had a limited but curious uh, interest in music, you know, because there wasn't much of a scene there. Coming to Providence where there was like an established scene, and then seeing like like Lightning Bolt when I was eighteen it was like basically a religious experience you, you know a lightning bolt? yeah basically <laughs> and then you see them like they played on the floor like there's this legendary show from that time that they played with sonic youth and sonic youth opened for them because they they were aware enough of lightning bolt to like know that they couldn't In follow deference. them yeah. yeah they were like and this was early like this like you know sonic youth probably have never been as big as that then and lightning bolt were still relatively like local and unknown i remember this moment where they sonic youth like stopped their final song and then just like put down their instruments and like took out a camcorder to like film what was about to happen and lightning ball was set up behind the audience because they always played on the floor at the time and just start and they're just like this unbelievable ungodly noise that was just like life-changing basically
0: all right i gotta listen to more lightning bolt yeah
2: still a huge fan I saw them saw them this year and it just like took me right back to that feeling and
0: why don't you get on the road with them? How can you make that happen? Can yeah, we that's that happen? a good question. Can you make that happen? Uh, can I, I, can't, I can't make anything happen for myself.
2: <laughs> I'm not sure they're touring much right now, but and they're they're very picky, So, but I, I love seeing them live still.
0: Let's talk lyrical content. Four songs on this EP. We premiered one already. We're going to play one at the end of the podcast called mm-hmm. P.O., mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that stands for parole officer it does is yeah. there anything you want to share with us about
2: that's, your... Uh, that's sort of, uh, <laughs> nice. no, nothing nothing <laughs> they don't know already okay um no lyrics are funny to me there I've never been a lyric guy mm-hmm. so that's why I can still like get a lot out of like Metallica or I'm like <laughs> I really love bands that have like pretty absurd and and silly lyrics you know like that they don't mean nothing to me like it's just like maybe i they're not primary to me so whenever they i do like uh, lyrics or then i really like them you know like that kind of thing it can totally like sell me on a song or a band if there's like a lyrical hook or a concept that really resonates then it really resonates you know In the way i was saying how um vocals aren't don't come naturally to me like that includes lyrics and that's been like a that's been like not like it it, again like it's sort of interesting to me to challenge myself to write things that and figure out something about myself in that process I don't have you know and again like I'm not really married to like I've I've almost never written a song that's like started with a concept that I needed to portray
0: that it's like so I'm not
2: not really like into like the poetic side of lyric writing
0: it's just funny to hear somebody like say, Well, it, it's a real challenge to play guitar. It's a real challenge to yeah. sing. It's a real challenge to write lyrics, <laughs> but you have this awesome, like, four-song EP. Well, it's like the opposite of how a lot of, like, <laughs> artists and actors and creative types act in the sense that, yeah. yeah, I can do this, but maybe they're not nearly as good, you know? Right. And I
2: don't mean to be, like, glib or self-deprecating about it either. Like, it's just, most of that is probably an observation that I can make about myself because I know my own process. Yeah, of course. Sort of, like, when I sit down, like, lyrics don't just, like, flow out of me. Yeah. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. And the like, same with guitar. and stuff like this, taking work to sort of get a get a practice going and both and all of that stuff
0: well look at a band like talking heads basically what yeah. they would do is they would write stream of consciousness ideas yeah. on little pieces of paper and put them in a hat and then they would pull them there out of the hat and that would be psycho killer you know that's or, so
2: funny i just listened to psycho killer at work right
0: before i came oh, wow. here i was thinking ah, something the, the musical gods are yeah, shining yeah. <laughs> down upon us
2: jason that's so funny um yeah, and I love that kind of stuff too. Like, I I, I kind of relate more to that where it's like randomness. I, I'm big on melodies and hooks and things like that. So like, if I have a hook, I'll be like, now I have to write lyrics to this, and that can happen in an instant or like over a course of months. Sometimes I find that I'll sort of idly stumble upon a lyrical hook or concept that kind of excites me or works for me and by doing that I'm like I'm sort of veering towards these syllables and that sort of sounds like this and that sort of reminds me of this and then I can then I'm sort of off to the races I like to like kind of like Start with a, a seed of an idea and kind of like cobbled like see where it sure. like builds up to yeah. I've listened
0: to the EP probably half a dozen times since I received it. Oh, and cool. I actually just listened to it this past weekend, and I can't tell you one you know like outside of a couple of random yeah. words. Maybe that's a commentary on like <laughs> no, the brain cells. I don't, I don't know, think so. Smoke too much marijuana over the years, <laughs> but uh, in the song Copper Mirror, mm-hmm. you reference Sky Dome. Is that yeah. the baseball <laughs> Sky Dome? It actually is. I'm
2: I'm almost surprised in myself to tell you that it is a reference to Skydome.
0: Do you have a rel- relationship to, to that city or i that do have a stadium relationship to that city
2: i don't really have a relationship to this to the stadium which doesn't exist anymore does it not oh
0: is you it know? no no yeah it's called rogers center now it's a different it's, a sky it's totally different yeah it's not a dome well it's actually a retractable dome um yeah. well I, i've been to sky dome before
2: okay so it has existed in
0: the past i actually played uh my electronic <laughs> band played the north by northeast music festival so we spent two days in Toronto. And being a baseball nerd, I had the opportunity to go to Sky Dome and Mm. see a game there. So that's so cool. It all came uh, full circle with the music and and the baseball.
2: Well, yeah, but the baseball. Like, I'm not a big baseball fan myself, but I have this like group of friends in Toronto who are like incredibly meaningful to me and I was spending a lot of time with them around the time when I was writing lyrics for this record and baseball is very meaningful to them. The Toronto Blue Jays are like a huge part of, you know, their yeah. their like culture the and they get really into- Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I was fascinated by that and it's like a really small town big city approach to that that team like everyone loves that team including my like weirdo freaky yard friends. Like yeah. it's just a thing you do. And I was like, sort of fascinated by that, and I just liked that it was called the Sky Dome, and I just like had a, it was a little bit of some like wordplay in there, like potential in there. So right
0: on. Well, I, I am a fan of Toronto is a very artsy city in general. I'm a fan right. of that, that. I love town. that I've town. I've been there yeah. a couple times. Yeah, yeah. In the song "Statue" and the video mm-hmm. that coincides with it, I want a, another little quote from the mm-hmm. bio here. Uh, you say that your songs are drifting vignettes of memory and death. Oh, did I say that? Well, somebody says that you did. I don't remember Maybe somebody said it for you. Right. But uh, the statue video, the concept of the video is almost how you see death being or like, do do we want to get deep here about like your Um, thoughts on the afterlife? I don't
2: have a ton of deep thoughts about it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure like all songs are about death, like in one way or another, like whether people know (laughs) it or not. Maybe that says something about me, but I mean, none of my songs are like explicitly about death. I just feel like- whether you're talking about time or love or things like that, there's always some link to th- those are the big things that I think about. And, and the big, I guess the big three would be like love time and death. And they're all, it's all like interwoven and it's easy to make that sound very grim, very quickly, but it's, it's, it's something that interests me. And, and I like to explore without like explicitly looking at it. That song is about seeing my friend Cora Critt's work in this, in the PS one, you were going to PS one dome. Yeah, I've heard dominant. of it never been, yeah. He had this big piece there that was like the biggest thing he had done. I was like really excited and proud of him. And he had this finale that had this like musical components, like really loud music, and he was sort of singing and there's all these people with like e-cigarettes and there is this person who was in all gold paint who had like a one of those um I don't even know what it's called, but it's like a strobe light that you can put in your mouth, so it's like this crazy scene and he just had he just completely fogged out the dome over the course of like 10 or 15 minutes to the point where you like basically couldn't see anything. Like you couldn't even see the person, like we wouldn't be able to see each other right now. And I was like, oh, this is probably what dying feels like. Oh, okay. <laughs> but in like a cool, like I was like, and that sounds if cool. this like, is how you, you're yeah. going to
0: die, you would want to like, die like this.
2: <laughs> this like the, yeah, exactly. Like the feeling, the overwhelming feeling of it. So it's just stuff like that. It's like, it's not a dark thing. It was just sort of right. like, that's, this is probably what that feels well, like. Well,
0: you may also not have said this too, but you do say it's not all dark and brooding. And it's not go. wholly positive. It's somewhere in between. Yeah, yeah, I think and that's, that's right. what makes it fun. And <laughs> I, I think you do have that element that you juggle on all the songs. I mean, the frenetic, again, having a harpsichord is kind of like the lead instrument in a song. Is right. definitely unique, but it's not. I guess people hear that without hearing the song, and you're right. going to hear it right now, and you'll you'll know what I'm talking about. Right, that may turn people off in a way, but it does have that kind of like. I don't use rock and roll as the term, but it kind of fits into the the archives of rock and stuff like that. I
2: like the I like the term rock and roll, and yeah, I think that's right. I think I try to approach things as like. Splitting the difference or splitting things down the middle, and in, in as many ways as possible, just because I think it's just more—it's more interesting to me. I think the out—the outcome is more interesting than being like really dark, really happy, really like any one thing. It feels a little like surface to me, yeah. and that might just be me. And the outcome might not be interesting to anyone else, and that's totally possible and fine. um That's just sort of like what my process is.
0: Well, I like music that moves me in any sort of direction, and, yeah. and, and PO in particular. I was running around a lake the other day, and it was a beautiful day, and. Uh, you know, when the drums kick in kind of on that half beat uh-huh. going against the, like the frenetic sound, of yeah. the, uh, the rhythms of the melody. Yeah, it definitely. Uh, if you want to if you want to climb a mountain, then I would <laughs> suggest P.O. as a, put that on your soundtrack. Put no, in, that's put that, so cool. Put that on your mix. Uh, what's next? The EP is out now. You have a tour plan. We're, we're
2: working on a tour. I'm writing and we're working on getting some live shows. I have a show in Toronto on May 12th um that's like the thing coming Toronto up. Again. Toronto again I love it there not at the Skydome.
0: No. <laughs> the EP is called Patience Hell Jason Bartell Mythless is the project thank you so much for coming in today and when the next EP comes out we'll talk about uh, death and drums and all that all, fun all stuff. the above yeah <laughs> all right thanks a lot mate.
2: thanks so much man I really appreciate it
0: dig that tune. P.O. from Mythless, coming off the new EP Patience Hell. Earlier in the podcast, we heard Thread tugging off the same EP. That's a world premiere. I world premiered that ish. And you can find out more about Jason Bartell's music and art, very cool art, at jasonbartel.com. And find out more about the new Mythless EP at joyfulnoiserecordings.com. Pick it up on the interwebs, wherever the interwebs sells music. Uh, I recommend, of course, Bandcamp, go to mythless.com, and that'll link you right to the Bandcamp page. And follow Jason on Instagram at Jason Bartell. I want to thank Jason for taking the time to stop by and talk about his new project. Monica at Speak Easy PR for putting it together. And of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Elvis Duran. Oh, f- me.